0: Welcome to UN2. And thank you so much for joining us here on America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker, Jeremy Breaker, and Chaz Price. 419-794-3030 is the phone number. Once again, it's 419-794-3030, online, arhq.com. My name is Chris Swan. Today on the show is 2024, the year we see interest rates head back down. Why we recommend that you test your portfolio to make sure it's diversified and the twists and turns that could ruin the plot of your retirement all this and more but first let me check in with the guys uh happy new year to you guys uh, how are you doing today good yeah it's
1: been a great holiday season we had a lot of fun it was nice having the kids home it's hard to believe how quick it went and they're you know heading back to college and then back to high school but uh, had an enjoyable time uh, of course in my house lots of hockey and mm-hmm. You know even uh coming up on uh sunday night we have our next all-star event and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it so over at the stranahan we're doing an event for our clients and going to uh, the abba tribute band so it should be fantastic i think uh, i'm going to dance the night away and have a lot of fun and <laughs> do you pull your bell bottoms out in i will there i somewhere? have them out and you know i've got the groovy <laughs> glasses uh it should should be great so i'm looking forward to You know, having an an incredible uh, start to 2024. And then on Monday is a great day as well. So January 8th, a pretty famous day. I don't know if you guys know what January 8th is. Birthday. Yeah, it's uh, not only Elvis Presley's birthday, but it's also my birthday. So Mm. looking forward to January 8th as well.
0: Certainly the celebrations continuing and you know, happy early birthday, Tia Nolan. Wanna thank uh, you guys for for joining us and spending time with the listeners as we get ready. Uh, maybe this is the year they plan on retiring or they they really made their resolution to get serious about the retirement. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Give them a little bit of that insight. Money definitely on the minds of Americans, judging from the top searches on Google and other search engines in 2023. Number one on the list was the American dream, not Dusty Roads which includes concerns over saving for retirement. Uh, We don't need Google to tell us that people are worried about how they're going to retire. But at what point in people's lives should they stop Googling and reach out to you guys?
1: You know, I love going on the Internet and using Google to start some research. And in fact, you know, I'm super biased in the fact that a lot of our results will come up on Google when you're looking for retirement advice. In fact, you know, we try to give advice on this show for predominantly people that are close to or transitioning or in the beginning years of their retirement timeframe. So if you haven't got a chance, and while you're on Google, I would encourage you to type in America's Retirement Headquarters. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you subscribe to our podcast, and uh, that's another way to to stay in the know. But the other time, I kind of smile a little bit and you know uh it's never a good idea to pick on your wife but if I pick on her you know sometimes she will Google the health of symptoms uh, whether it's my kid taking a hard hit in hockey or it's a maybe an illness in the family she goes into Google what should she do about a health system and, and I'm always like oh my gosh here we what go we're we gonna right? find right here yeah. we go so you know my kid could get hit in hockey and it's of course take him to the emergency room right away you know and, and I know by walking in the ER you're gonna get a thousand dollar bill or if you Google some healthcare symptom, next thing you know, you're you're dying. Yep. So I do think that it's a good idea for people to Google information, but there definitely becomes a point where talking with a professional about their retirement uh, can be crucial. And, you know, for me personally, I'd say I I break it down in a couple different ways. The first thing that I would say is I would say early adult or starting your career. And I guess, you know, I say that as a father, you know, if I look back and I say, you know, what could I have told myself 25 years ago? I think about the advice that I got from dad yeah. and the things that I heard at the top of the staircase and, you know, saving and investing in the market was an incredible lesson I got from my parents. So, you know, I tried to teach them that early on and teach my kids that. And I think if you're a listener, if you have you know, adult children or or grandchildren, starting them early on and setting financial goals, creating a budget, understanding saving for the future, building good solid credit and exploring investment options such as retirement accounts or 401ks or emergency funds can be good, sound advice. And then you know, I could say there's never a bad time, but we flash forward to America's retirement headquarters. You know, what we have done is we've been helping people that are in that time frame that they're approaching retirement. So within five years of retirement time, the decisions that you make now can be absolutely crucial. I can think of a Couple clients that just recently came in, Matt and Lori. And, you know, Matt and Lori have, let's just say, five years until retirement time. And I'm so glad that they came in because one of their goals is they want to retire before the age 65. And as we know, if they have to get health insurance before the age 65, the majority of Americans will go online to the healthcare.gov website and they'll buy health insurance through the affordable healthcare. Well, that's an income, not an asset test. So by Matt and Lori coming in and starting the conversation, we were able to start talking about shifting and directing money towards non-countable income sources to fund those early years of retirement. So their health insurance actually could be a lot more affordable by doing that ahead of time. And, you know, if they would have came in right at retirement time, our options maybe would have been less for that. Um, so approaching retirement, close to retirement, and also looking at, you know, when you have life changes or unexpected events are the advice that I talk about when it's a good idea to not just Google it, but either, you know, pick up the phone or sit down and talk with a professional.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's a a good point that you bring up. Is that um, how many times would you say we've lived our 60s and our 70s as financial advisors, or how many iterations have we, you know, went through when we talk to people about their their goals and and what they're going through and some of the challenges that they face as a financial advisor, having hundreds of clients, 500 in your case, Nolan. I know. Or more, um, you've lived your seventies five hundred times, in sixties mm-hmm. five hundred times, and so that way we we know uh, what to expect in, in a certain aspect of retirement. And so, um, I don't think there's ever a, a, a really a, a bad time to talk to a financial advisor for that um, reason alone. Is because we can help give you perspective, we can help you see into the future almost, and so to help you avoid a lot of those big, you know. Uh, issues and that people tend to run into, you call them pitfalls, um, and also I think it does have to do with the major life events. Anytime there's something major that happens to you, marriage, uh, unfortunately, divorce, um, you know, kids, graduation you know, college, things like that. It's a good time to reevaluate your situation. And maybe some cases you're getting a raise and other cases we need to find some cash somewhere else to shore up some, some insolvency there. Um, and then the last thing I would just mention is if, you know, it comes down to lack, lack of experience or complexity in your financial situation, similar to we were joking around what, you know, sort of medical advice can you really get online? I mean, yeah does it say that maybe you you need to have something done but are you gonna go out and you know start cutting on yourself probably not <laughs> so a certain level of expertise and in and, and complexity that goes into it it doesn't hurt to google and kind of give you some ideas and come up with some questions maybe to ask your financial advisor but if you don't have the experience and the know-how you're really you know you know just enough to be dangerous there's that there's a reason for that saying is because you can really hurt yourself
1: But you know when we look at it though i'd say on top of that if you look at you know the internet you look at google i mean we've got so many great things that technology helps with with artificial intelligence it's pretty neat you know some of those tools and resources you're using those to google to improve your portfolios to improve your odds of success you know, can dramatically help you. But again, just like I was joking earlier, you know, if you Google a healthcare symptom, you know, almost every time it feels like you're going to die, right? Yeah. Something, something immediate, imminent, mean, it is bad. The same is true when you look at it, when you Google, you know, different financial terms. You know articles are driven based upon fear and greed and they can those articles lead you to make short-term decisions i can't tell you how many articles people have sent to me over the years and said hey can you watch this 45 minute video that talks about the global collapse of the u.s currency or can you read this article that talks about how i should invest all of my money this way it give me Mm -hmm. their opinion and i always say well just skip to the end and tell me what they're selling because that'll oftentimes tell you what's on there. The good thing about sitting down with the professional is just like the results of looking at medical things aren't always deadly, when you sit down with a professional, you get a second set of eyes, a human being, that can be a sounding board and can actually show you, well, you know, if you did this and you switched that and made a little bit of changes here, it's actually not as bad as what you thought.
2: Yeah, and it's not just any professional, it's the right professional. You, know, you want to have someone like that knows social security in and out. Yeah, or, true. true sure. you know and, and making sure that uh, you have vetted the advisors before you know you take anybody because there are I think there's eight hundred thousand advisors out there. That term is kind of used synonymously across a lot of different aspects of our business. and so um, making sure you know like what you're describing, fiduciaries, making sure that we are not necessarily there to sell you something, but we're there to prove to you why this decision makes sense
3: you know i love google i think google's a great tool but i know for myself i've been in the last month to the eye doctor i need a follow-up with my cardiologist i've been to the gastrointestinal doctor and sure i could google the symptoms but much like in our profession we can take a look at you know the blood work for lack of a better term you know getting behind the scenes there's you can google stuff but you can't You know, I I could have probably went out and bought myself a pair of glasses and maybe saw a little bit better, but why not work with a professional that that's his job each and every day and get the right prescription Mm -hmm. and get
0: the right medication you know, and Jeremy, you actually, you hit on uh, two two important things there. You know, when you're listing the doctors that you've seen as of recently, you listed three different specialists because it is one thing you can go to your general practitioner for your checkups, but you know, gastrointestinal is, is a, a different game. Your eye doctor is a different, you're not going to go to your dentist to take a look at your eyes, right? And so you sure. want to make sure, you know, when it comes time to perhaps a different phase of your life, like retirement, seeking out the advice of people who specialize in it, like it's right there in the name, America's Retirement Headquarters, the Retirement Guys Formula. And we all Google things. It is human nature, but also knowing, you know, what is out of your depth. I can look at things online all day and night when it comes to home repair, but if it gets to uh, electrical things, you know, digging into the walls and stuff like that, nope. I close that. I call it professional. There are, there are minor things that I can take care of, but knowing that, and when it comes to your finances, maybe that's something that you want to go ahead and defer to professionals like the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030. That's how you get started. Or you can go to the website, schedule a time, always available day and night, arhq.com. How much money do you need to be happy? A new survey by Empower found that baby boomers feel like they need about $124,000 a year. Millennials, on the other hand, say they need more than half a million dollars each year. But the poll also shows there's one thing that every generation agrees on. More than 70% of them say having a financial plan can help bring a sense of security. So, have to ask, what do you see as an average of what people... Think and and, and say and, and even find out they're going to need per month in retirement.
2: That's a really good question. I feel like the the millennials just get uh, hammered all the time. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, half a million dollars. Pretty much That's a lot uh, mean, Yeah, it, it's quite a bit of money. And I don't know. There's a lot of factors that could be influencing uh, some of their perspectives and and that uh, you know that category and needing that much money. It could just be the fact that which I've always thought is I'm not a millennial, but um, you know, just the economic climate that we came up in, you know, we came up, started investing in 2000, 2001, the great, uh, the tech wreck, you know, the Y2K phenomenon. And then market was pretty good through some of our working years. And then 2008 and nine happened again. Uh, and then we lose 40, 50% of our 401k and we, you know, fire back up and now we're facing COVID. And so, you know, some of those folks maybe have just come into investing during some of their, their peak earnings years, uh in you know in the great recession the covid19 pandemic so that may be uh part of it cost of living you know i I, my wife and i recently got married and we're looking for housing and i think um i was listening on cnbc reading some things housing prices have grown by almost 50 percent just in the last couple of years so that you know that is an expectation that i think that um you know they're projecting out into their future needing you know more expensive housing Plus they probably do have quite a bit of student debt. Um, I know that's a big area that the current administration has tried to help to eliminate, is knocking some of the student debt down. Um, And it could also then just be generational values that tend to value experiences and traveling and and hobbies and over material uh, possessions where I sometimes think maybe the baby boomers, you know, I think of uh, Harley-Davidson and cars and, you know, the big, you know, engines and big houses and things like that. So there's a lot of it that goes into it. But the beauty of working with a financial advisor kind of dovetailing from the previous segment is that um, whatever that retirement dream that you have is, w- which is different for everybody, but whatever that retirement dream that you you have, it's really just a simple calculus you know we back into how much you need based on what you plan to spend and what your other sources of income are and i i think personally after having done this for almost 25 years i think that people sometimes think they need more money than what they end up do needing and it's good to plan for more but you know, some of the observations that I see why people think they maybe need more money than what they do. The first one is that you're not going to spend exactly what you're spending now. And I don't just mean lifestyle. I mean, think about your FICA taxes, first and foremost, you know, that's seven and a half percent that you're not getting of your check. Um, Then we're talking about your 401k spend, maybe even some you know, mortgage uh, expenses or housing expenses, maybe even childcare. So just maybe just from the, the naked eye, you know, at first blush, you know, you, you hear and you Google and you see, I need 10 times my salary or something like that, but uh, to retire as far as a comfortable amount. But um, when you actually do the numbers, Nolan, I think that you most people are going to be surprised um, at what, you know, their actual spending is going to look like Especially if you know you you plan on spending in different amounts throughout your your uh, retirement years, that would be one of the expect one of the observations I'd see is probably not going to need that much is what you think.
1: Yeah, you know I think you do a great job when uh, we're in meetings and you're talking to people about what their average monthly income needs are. Um, I'll use the word paycheck to paycheck. Right now, we have heard probably on numerous different shows and articles about how. Uh, the average american lives paycheck to paycheck now what i mean by that is i mean not necessarily just living paycheck to paycheck but they get used to the income that they have coming in so again they could be great savers meaning they could be maxing out their 401k they could be putting money in their roth ira maybe they have great cash value but they have a paycheck that comes home after all of those savings are put aside and that's the number I think that's a starting point that somebody typically uses. So if you look at that, if that's the paycheck that you live on after you save money and put money away, cover all of your insurances and your other needs, that's kind of the amount of money that you could start with basing your plan out in the future Because it's been my experience in working with hundreds of families over the course of you know, 30 years is people get used to a lifestyle that they have. Mm -hmm. They're going to live the lifestyle that they're accustomed to. They're still going to go with their neighbors and go out to restaurants or take those bus trips or go do fun things together. They actually might have a couple of uh, more opportunities to to do that if they're not working the nine to five. So you could break that even further down into what you refer to as the go-go years. Uh, the slow-go years, and the no-go years. So, you know, in those early years of retirement, while you and maybe your spouse are healthy, you're going to take those trips that you wanted to do. You know, maybe you've had that bucket list item of taking the kids and grandkids to Disney World. Maybe it's the Viking River Cruise, or maybe it's, you know, watching just the grandkids and spending more time, you know, at their house. It's Those are the years that you're probably going to need, you know, more money for fun stuff. And then my experience has been when my clients get in their 70s and 80s they begin to slow down you know they're typically having the kids come to them for the holidays uh, they're not traveling nearly as much although they still might enjoy life they're typically slowing down and then they you know later in life it's typically you know not really having major spending as long as again as long as they have a solid healthcare plan in place that's designed to protect them from major healthcare expenses. So, you know, those people who don't have a plan for things like long-term care can end up having major, major expenses and major monthly needs later in life during those no-go years if they don't have a plan in place. So you kind of want to break it down And one of the great things that we can do here at America's Retirement Headquarters, if you don't know what your numbers are, and not only by sitting down with a professional like Chaz or Jeremy or myself, we can help you figure out what those numbers are. And in fact, we can use some software uh, called Right Capital. And within Right Capital, what we can do is we can put in those numbers, we can do what I would refer to as a reverse the math to figure out, Based upon where you're at today, what your savings rate looks like, what is a realistic number that you can have confidence with? I can think of a, a lady, she just recently got a hold of us, you know, and uh, Karen had lost her husband, and she just didn't have a clue because her husband oftentimes just managed the finances. Yet by going through the planning process, what we're able to show her is with, you know, the sources of income that she had, with the investment accounts that she had, with the way that we were gonna allocate it, you know, what was a high probability of success if she lived off of this amount of income. And so that was able to help give her some confidence to be able to make a decision, you know, on how much of a monthly income, not only is she gonna need, but also is realistic within the plan. And the great thing, I think, about working with us is we're going to take that comprehensive approach of going in and looking at all of the numbers to help you, you know, assess your current financial expenses, your living expenses, factor in uh, things like inflation, you know, consider your lifestyle. We look at things like health insurance and healthcare cost, or, you know, what if tax rates go up in the future, identify some of those sources and... You know, something that you do, Jeremy, a a lot of times is help with the gap. You know, we'll see people make mistakes with their sources of income, for example, drawing Social Security early, which may not be the best approach because they need to bridge the gap from when they retire to, you know, maybe when they go on Medicare or maybe when they're, you know, fully eligible for their max retirement benefits on Social Security uh, even down to helping them adjust that plan is helping, you know, ways to figure out how to figure out what their income needs are. Anything that you would say or pointers that you give when you're looking at how to figure out income needs in retirement?
3: Well, a couple of numbers stand out to me. Number one, if you, you talked about reversing the math, and for the millennials, that would mean having about $16 million in retirement <laughs> savings, which <laughs> probably is a little unrealistic. Mm. Um, the other thing I see is. Um, uh, kind of another number that stands out to me is it said 70% of those people would agree that having a financial plan would help them Well, I don't know what the statistics are today But I remember back when I started the, in the business. It was about 5% of Americans actually worked with a financial planner And so I think uh, if that number is at 70, which I probably don't think it is um, You know that would be one way for you and the listening audience to get a hold of us and develop that financial plan Then the last thing I think a a bit of a piece of advice is somebody told me a long time ago it's not how much you can how much you make, it's how much you can save.
0: Pretty valuable also, you know, how much you can keep in retirement tax is also a major factor. It's not one thing about the income, it's not about health care, it's not about taxes, it's how it all works together. And how it can work against you if you you don't account for, for one or the other. And that is why you get, you know, that comprehensive retirement strategy when you work with the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. Again, you know, the Retirement Guys formula and America's Medicare Associates goes hand in hand, figuring it out, you know, making sure all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted as you enter into retirement. Uh, regardless of how much you, you're, you're going to need or how much you think you're going to need. I'm going to say, uh, as someone who is barely, barely a millennial, I've never once thought I'd need half a million dollars in my retirement. I don't, I don't, I, I mean, that would be great. But, uh, you know, it really comes down to your personal circumstances uh, and sitting down with the team. 419-794-3030 is the phone number to, to uh, do that, to get started. or going on to the website, arhq.com. Have you made any resolutions? According to a new survey by Forbes, almost half, say there's dealt with improved fitness uh improving finances right behind at 38 percent uh kind of sort of like these guys on tiktok
2: 2024 is gonna be my year you know this is this is the year i turn it around i'm going full paleo for 2024 i'm not even sure what that even means yet but but i'm i'm committed cold plunging sauna these are words that I'm going to use regularly in 2024 because it's going to be part of my health regimen. I'm not holding back. You know, no no goal is too big. Like, here, here's a fun one right here. Climb Mount Everest, you know. Am I <laughs> going to do it? I don't know. I don't probably. I don't know. Maybe not. It, but I wrote it down.
0: Well, they're certainly setting the bar high. But here's the thing. About 43% of resolutions, they're abandoned by the end of January, primarily because people... Uh, they're not being held accountable to anyone for for keeping it. If somebody who is in the retirement red zone came into your office, uh, do you hold them accountable to help make sure their goal is in fact achievable? You know, having a
1: financial coach and having somebody help keep you accountable also goes a long way in our business, too, especially when you look at the fact that 43% of those resolutions are abandoned by the end of January. So, if somebody's listening and, and they have maybe some financial resolutions, you know, what are the ways that you're working with them to help keep them
2: on track with their financial goals? Well, I think one of the ways that we help our clients stay on track with their financial goals is, first of all, setting. I don't want to say not easy, but attainable goals. I guess we could probably use the SMART acronym, um, just making them very specific and measurable. And uh, we have the ability to do that on our financial planning software. It's actually one of the tools that I think I our clients appreciate the most in that before we leave, we'll set probably six or seven things that the client needs to attain or at least try to achieve between now and our next meeting whether it be march or or three months or six months or or whatever it may be and i think just kind of giving them um the basic construct of what we're working towards and having it in writing i think is what really the power of uh you know goal setting and goal attainment where that actually comes from um that's just kind of something that I was taught as an early age. My grandfather was big on setting and writing goals, and so I've kind of imported that into my practice. And um, not to say that they always come, you know, completed. You know, the goals—it's like a little bit of homework, but at least they know we care. And it's really not what we want; it's it's what they tell us that they want to achieve. And so um, that's something that your financial advisor can absolutely help you do. The other one that I uh, really appreciate doing as much automation as we possibly can making things simple keeping it simple so for instance if if you want to you know save $10,000 in the, in this you know upcoming year for that trip to Hawaii that you always, always wanted to take you know why don't we go ahead and set aside $1,000 why don't we set up an automatic savings program from your checking or savings we can do that automatically into a brokerage account just kind of get it out of the way um, and then I guess lastly I would say as far as goal attainment don't be afraid to reward yourself and if you achieve some goals I think you're entitled to be able to enjoy you know um, you know the benefits reap the benefits of, of how you've um, how far you've gotten and kind of just sit back and maybe enjoy a nice dinner with the wife and you know hey we're, we're halfway to our goal um, let's go out and have a nice dinner. Don't, don't blow it and splurge and go backwards. But I think there is something to be kind of said for intermittent, um, confirmation, you know, of of seeing gains, just like in the gym, Nolan, you know, and once you start looking in the gym and you see some, some cut there, you're like, okay, I'm going to go back. I I like, I like what I'm seeing here. So same thing with financial planning. So think about,
1: even if you didn't set a financial resolution it it doesn't have to be december 31st to create a resolution if you didn't create a resolution what i want you to do is i want you to do what Chaz says i want you to take a piece of paper and what i want you to write down is this i want you to write down what is your biggest financial concern that you want to address in the next year and then that is what I want you to work on, whether it's with us, whether you go on the internet and do some research, whether it's with your other advisor, that is a clear goal. And in fact, if you could come up with three to four goals, even if you don't get all four of them done, if you get three out of four, think about how much you would have accomplished by writing it down, you had a clear goal, and you identified a time frame of when you wanted to do it, and then you could seek somebody to help keep you
0: accountable it's been said before uh the seasonal help at gyms it's not your your typical retail where you think you know late october through the end of december theirs actually is in late december through probably february maybe march and that is because that is when people they do come in and you know they make those resolutions and and they they hit the gym as, as soon as possible and then those numbers dwindle down as we said about 43 percent go by the wayside just by the end of january alone the ones that succeed are the ones who have that accountability buddy. If it is a friend that's urging them to, to you know, to meet them at the gym at, at five in the morning or a personal trainer. The same sort of thing when it comes to your finances by being able to check in and not just hold you accountable, but show you the progress that you're making. These tangible results, it can go a long way to making sure that your goals are, are, uh, you know, not, not only achievable and attainable, but also uh, successfully achieved. But it all starts with picking up the phone and scheduling the time to speak with someone like the team. At America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030, or go to the website arhq.com. The latest inflation number is at 3.1%, which is way down from the high in June of 2022, 9.1%. With that news, Wall Street is hoping that this year will be the year that interest rates start coming down. Here is former PIMCO Chief Economist Paul McCulley on CNBC. The Fed is finished tightening. That's the big issue. The debate now is all about the timing and the magnitude of the easing cycle to come. And we'll be starting the new year, I think, with a warm and fuzzy
1: tone, but not an urgent tone from the standpoint of cutting.
0: Now, if he's right, will this result in the decrease in some of the attractive rates that we've seen lately in CDs, money markets, treasuries and annuities? Uh, guys, can our listeners lock in the best rates if they, you know, they, they take action now?
1: I really think now could be one of the best times to lock in fixed interest. Obviously, you know, the Federal Reserve has come out and they've talked about their projections in the future. You know, most of the indication that they've given is they plan to not raise more rates. Uh, They plan on potentially looking to lower rates at some point in the future as these inflation numbers cool down. So this could be an optimal time to be able to lock in some of the rates that are out there. And I had a conversation with an older couple they were in their 80s and you know we had talked about uh, various options for locking in interest and you know there's probably not one wrong answer I told them on whatever they picked because if we looked at what they were currently in anything was better than what they were getting now so folks if you have not upgraded you're checking savings, money market accounts, old fixed annuities, or you have lazy assets, really now can be one of the best times again in 20 years to be able to consider what your options are and be able to lock in rates. Back to this couple that I was talking with, uh, Chuck and Sally, we'll call them. And they're in their 80s, and they were talking a little bit about the fact of they didn't know how long it was going to be that they were going to continue to be here. I'm hoping they're here for a long, long time. And so we had gone through the short-term investments, and we had gone through the the longer-term investments. In fact, you can lock in an interest right now at some of the insurance companies of America for 10 years and you know the initial thought process that they had is they said you know what i'm not going to be here 10 years and i said well you may be surprised i I think i'm betting on one of the two of you being here for 10 years Uh, but in the event you know with an insurance contract if you look at the fine print and and understand how the product works you know god forbid like if the husband had purchased this 10-year contract he's locked in for that fixed rate interest for that 10 years for that time frame you know, again, it was in that 5 to 6% range is what the interest was that he could lock it in. So if interest rates go down in the next three or five years, he's locked in at the higher rate. This is something that he could take a chunk of money and set it aside. Of course, you have to look at withdrawal features, surrender charges, and things like that. But, you know, one of his concerns was, well, what if I passed away? If he passed away, this particular contract said his wife could do one of two things she could either take it over again she being the primary beneficiary she could assume his account she'd continue to get paid that interest as a, a spousal assumption or she could cash it out and take that money and do something else with it so again there's no penalty upon death so it is important to, to take uh, a look at those because on the surface what they originally thought is let's just put it in a money market account and again I as I pointed out earlier I don't think there's a wrong answer with anything. Anything was better than the interest that they were getting paid before. But the disadvantage of uh, locking it in short term is that short term, when interest rates go down, they're going to get paid less interest whenever that investment rates go down in the future. So, you know, you want to consider when you're going to need it, liquidity, features like that. But now, in my opinion, opinion unless there's a shock to the system which can happen you know we see shocks to the system that happen but unless there's a shock to
2: the system now may be one of the best times to lock in these high rates what do you guys think um you know i'm I'm a little bit torn on it because i I feel like the question is a little bit of a loaded one in the sense that you have to assume that um you you have you do one or the other like you either are in a an equity or a bond and i think um for most I think for everybody, everybody should always have some component of their investment portfolio in something that's fixed. Uh, The the main goal being a return of my money, not necessarily return on it. So whether that is a bond or a fixed annuity or cash or money market instrument, there certainly is some um, advantage to, to having this money that you know can't lose and that's gonna be there for you, worst case scenario. Um, that being said, I do think there's an opportunity, a couple things with bonds right now going on. Um, one, again, is the fact that we haven't seen a measurable rate like this in the last 15 years. I know on an earlier segment um, Andrew was in, you're like, hey, bud, interest rates haven't been this high since you were born. You know, So it's <laughs> definitely something to take notice of. Um, but on, in, my, in my head, the reason that interest rates um, – uh, have have gone up so much um, is primarily because the fact that, you know, or I should say they're, they're actually on their way back down. Interest rates were artificially propped up there by the, the Federal Reserve. And now they're actually on their way down because for some of the same reasons that you're citing is that people are getting while the getting's good. You know, my mom would always say that, get while the getting's good. If the interest rates are high, go ahead and lock it in. But uh, as a, from a contrarian perspective, um, as these interest rates start coming back down and yes, you want to lock in a fixed interest rate while the getting's good, a lower interest rate is actually going to be better for the stock market. You know, generally speaking, lower interest rates like we experienced in the last decade have been an exceptional tailwind for the equities. And so, um, not so fast, my friend, you know, as, as Lee Corso right. would say, <laughs> don't, uh, don't rush and put all of your portfolio into bonds because a five percent interest rate although it might seem attractive when you look at it on a real basis you know and even taking an after tax uh perspective of it you know your real rate of return with inflation is really closer to like two um stocks in in equities have historically been a great inflation killer you know especially dividends um and so um I'm not so sure. I mean, yes, in one aspect we always want to have some money in a fixed rate. If you haven't upgraded your fixed income, give us a call and we can help take a look to see what's available. Um is it short or is it long? Uh but as ease, as these interest rates continue to come down now as people are flocking to bonds, I wouldn't necessarily be looking at a bond. I'm I'm actually would be more interested in what's the impact of a lower um an expected lower interest rate in the future going to do to the stock market because we've seen this rip your face off rally that's occurred as a result of the 10-year treasury going from five down to like under four right now um, that's where i might be looking for the opportunity uh in addition to whatever i already have parked in my my safe bucket
3: right when you talk about different buckets you mentioned the safe bucket I think what I look at as far as you know, from an overall financial plan and our independent income system, is is knowing what your safe withdrawal rate is. And if you don't know what that is, give us a call. We can help you look at that number. But if that number is, let's just say for easy math, it's three and a half percent, and if you can get five percent in a fixed rate, you're outpacing that number. So if you, you know, it's it's again one of those situations where it shouldn't be all or none with the because I think the question was is now the good time to lock in the fixed rates the answer is probably so I think if you take a look at that number and in the case of uh, you know somebody that's in their 80s if if they know that they're safe withdrawal rates in the threes and they can lock in five for the rest of their life or life expectancy I think
1: that's that might be that might be a good way to go well, I'm going to tell you what the one answer is for everybody. The one answer is for everybody is if you haven't looked at fixed rates and how they apply to your individual situation, while rates are at the highest level of and I would agree there could be some good growth in equities, and I would agree you, know, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, but now could be a phenomenal time it can to be able to look at your situation and say how do i apply this and what's the best use of this tool to achieve the outcome of what i want to accomplish and then we can help you figure that out
0: we've spoken many times here on the show about uh timing the market the perils of trying to do so how it's a fool's errand on the other side of it we seem to be at at a, at a tipping point when it comes to interest rates they've held steady for the past couple months all signs seem to indicate they're going to be lower in the future knowing what opportunities lie with the rates being as high as they are and with them uh, going down in the future, how to take advantage of both of these things as it pertains to your plan. Well, that is where speaking with someone like the team at America's Retirement Headquarters really comes into play. Threats and opportunities, uh, as they talk about so often, figure out what the opportunities are right now, what the opportunities will be in the future with lower interest rates. It all starts with that phone call, 419-794-3030 on the website is arhq.com. And speaking of threats and opportunities as we have, we hear financial people use the term diversification, which basically is you should be invested in different areas so that if one goes down, another might go up. In other words, don't put all your eggs in one basket. A recent article that I read, guys, suggests that you should also diversify your income sources, get paid from more than one place. A lot of us, we're going to have social security and some type of savings. After that, what else is there? What should we be looking at?
1: You know, I really like this topic a lot when you're looking at more ways to diversify your income. You know, let's, you know, first start with the word diversification. So to me, I would think that there actually is pros and cons when it comes to diversification. Um, And here's what I mean by that. You know, the, the thought process is, is, you put a little bit in everything and hopefully more go up than down. And so you, you don't lose money. And, you know, the flaw in that is I think there could be a lot of areas like that I would look at that would demonstrate risk. And to me, you know, if you just look at the most basic format of put a little bit of money in everything, that doesn't make a lot of sense to put money into categories that you feel have risk. So giving you, again, another specific example is as interest rates went down to, next to nothing, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities, I think, you know, for any growth potential and bonds had an interest rate risk. So if you you listen to past radio shows or YouTube you know broadcast, you'll hear us talking about, you know, the interest rate risk where a traditional asset allocation model, in fact, if you have like a target date fund in your 401k or your investment account, you're the one that I'm talking about that's at risk right now and you know that is what i would refer to as like a buck shot approach so a buck shot approach is like again taking a shotgun and can blast it off a bunch of shots and hopefully you hit something so i served in the united states marine corps and when i served in the marine corps we either hit bullseye or nothing so you either hit your target or you missed and so in using with that sniper shot approach again shooting down range to hit your target Um, You want to be also very specific. I'm not saying diversification is not a good thing. It is a way ultimately to reduce risk. But when you're looking at diversification, what I want you to do is I want you to start thinking about it more as a sniper shot approach. You know, we can use this on ways to diversify your income. So you could take a sniper shot approach and you could selectively pick out like a quality basket of Blue chip dividend-paying stocks. You know something that provided predictable income. You know that would be one way to diversify your income source. You could take a sniper shot and you could look at things that are non-correlated assets um, that aren't in the stock market. Things like we've talked about on the other shows with you know how high some of the fixed rates are. And you could take a sniper shot approach of picking some of the accounts that provide great income now with high fixed rates and ladder that out over different timeframes, you know, you can take this sniper shot approach and you can look at even diversifying your income even more. You know, Chaz, you do a phenomenal job. So a lot of times people will come into our office and what I'll see is that they own the same investment accounts in their IRA, in their non-retirement account, and in their tax-free Roth IRA. And it's just like, I scratch my head because you know, even within that, when you're looking at diversifying income and you're looking at, you know, different strategies, that diversification needs to also be true on where you own which investment. And the asset location is also crucial on having that sniper shot approach of putting it together. Um, so w- when you're looking at other sources of income, um, you know, at the end of the day, just remember at retirement, all roads lead to income and diversification can help and also it can hurt you and you need to look at your individual situation and figure out how it can apply uh, our methodology of where there's different threats and opportunities uh, we talk about it in the approach called the independent income system and within that approach uh, we walk you through the ins and outs of where there are different threats and opportunities. So that's what I would tell you on uh, different ways to diversify your income. What what about you guys? What would you say?
2: I'd say real quick you're spot on. I would just say um obviously there's those those opportunities for people that can maybe leverage some of their skills like hobbies or woodworkers or I know Scott built this, you know, studio basically by hand. So he's handy um but for guys like me and g- gals that you know, push paper, you know, that may not be an option. So what I would say is, um, you know, income to me also, it means uh, an absence of an expense. So to increase my income, I can either work more, my money can work harder, or, you know, I can spend less. And so there's gonna have to be a combination of all the above. Also looking at investment options like um, annuities, for instance, or what we call lifetime income guarantees. That give you an investor the ability to make a contract with an insurance company similar to the way that you do with insuring your home. You know, if something bad happens, what can you do for me? How will you protect me? An income guarantee from an insurance company does a similar um, service in the sense that if you, for whatever reason, end up not having enough money or you know are fearful of running out of money, the insurance company kind of can give you a backing and some guarantees to say this amount of money will never run out that along with social security is kind of some of the the thoughts that I have on diversifying your income.
0: It all comes down to finding the right blend for you, because here's the truth of it. You know, even though you are retired, you're still going to have monthly I- expenditures, stuff that is going to happen every single month. Maybe your mortgage is paid off, but you got to have utilities, you have to eat and fuel, things like that. So having that covered uh, at a minimum by guaranteed income can go a long way to, I think, giving people that confidence as they enter into retirement. Social security is one of those components perhaps using something like a fixed next annuity for a portion of your retirement. Again, perhaps, and a portion goes back to what we said earlier, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But to figure out uh, if they can work for you or, or what strategies can work for you to provide that guaranteed income and how I'll go about setting it up, the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, they are here for you. Just take that first step and reach out, 419-794-3030. Once again, 419-794-3030. You can always find them on the web as well, arhq.com. I want to thank you, as we always do, for uh, spending some time with us, spending uh, the new year with us. Again, if if your resolution is to get serious about your financial planning, uh, reach out, ARHQ.com. Please have a great week ahead of you. Make this a great year. Guys, thank you so much for the time. And as we wrap up, I want to leave you with the final word.
1: Yeah, just have a great week. And remember, when you think retirement, think America's Retirement Headquarters. It's home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates.
0: Social Security may be short on funds in less than 10 years. You could lose anywhere from seventeen dollars to $23,000 a year. Younger generations will soon make up over 80% of the voting electorate. Will they agree to higher taxes to fund Social Security for boomers? Or will they ask boomers to pay their fair share? Does this mean you'll have to work and save longer? Now, what if I told you that Nolan Baker of America's Retirement Headquarters is one of the select few advisors in the country that has access to the Social Security Risk Score? It's a tool that can tell you the likelihood you'll be impacted by the loss of Social Security. Then, he can show you how he can replace that money you're counting on for retirement. Call America's Retirement Headquarters today at 419-794-3030, and they'll run your personalized Social Security Risk Score. It's complimentary and can help answer the questions to your Social Security future. That's 419-794-3030 or online at arhq.com. The Social Security Risk Score is an independent, nonpartisan diagnostic tool that is not connected with, affiliated with, or specifically endorsed by the United States government or the Social Security Administration. solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.